Welcome back to the Edgy Conversations podcast. This is Dan Waltzman, and you're listening to the podcast for driven people with clear goals who want to be their best self. Before we go on, big news. I need a button instead of like using my mouth to do explosion effects. But the brand new DanWaltzman.com is live. I mean, it is live, 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 live. It is, it is, it is there. It is happening. And um, if you haven't already checked it out, go check it out. I've been working on it for more than six months with my team, trying to make it clear all the different ways that we can add value um, and and make sure you know uh, the different articles and podcasts and communities and courses and, and ways that you can level up your game and your life. And the reason I'm discussing that is because in the process of finishing up the website. I actually, on the blog, if you go to danwaltzman.com slash blog, you actually, you'll get to the main page of all the, as you might sound or guess, blogs, podcasts, social media images, stuff like that, but but mainly blogs. And and of course, I've, I've been a fan of stories and articles for some time. There's actually a category on the website for my favorite stories. I love stories. I love stories because they allow me to Take the idea of success, of greatness, of breakthrough, and and channel it not in in some kind of like esoteric sense, like keep working hard, but reading someone else's story who had a tough break or a tough life, and turning it into something that that really em- empowers me, takes the whole discussion to the next level. Well, one of those stories is the idea of Douglas Mawson, Douglas Mawson. And there's a, there's a fantastic story called It's Dead Easy, entitled, the name of the blog is How to Live When It's Dead Easy to Die. And I'm not going to read you the story, the full story, because it's there on the website. But I want to I paraphrase it so that you get a sense of what we're going to talk about today on this podcast. The name of the article is How to Live When It's Dead Easy to Die. If you're on the blog main page, go to the story section, go about halfway down the page, and you'll see everything you need to about to find the story. Okay, okay. It was January of 1913. That's where our story takes place in a remote section of Antarctica. In fact, this was a section of Antarctica that no one had ever been to before that we know of, right? Unless it's a polar bear or, or, or Eskimos down in Antarctica. I'm not sure. Anyways, January 1913, a remote section of Antarctica. Douglas Mawson found himself... 14 feet away from the top of the crevice, hanging by a rope attached to his waist, dangling. His feet were swinging, but the hole in the ice was so big, he couldn't get his feet to touch the sides of the ice on either side, even if he swung all the way. And he wasn't sure the ice on the top was going to hold, so he wasn't sure how much he was willing to swing anyways. And how did he get there? Well, he had actually kind of worked hard to get there. He actually was a leader of, of, of a, the Antarctic expedition that had both Asian and Australians there. It was, it was called like the Australi- Australasian, it's a mashup of Australia and Asian, Antarctic expedition, about 30 scientists and adventurers who, who went uh, to this area. And, and actually, from the moment they landed, it was worse than they could have ever 
possibly known. And by the way, these are scientists. They had spent so much time learning and planning and deliberating all the different pieces of this. They, they came, they built a base camp in this area called Commonwealth Bay. And they, they did that because it, it, it was kind of like a, a bowl in the middle of wind and water. And they thought if, if we're kind of out of the way of the wind and water, it'll be better for us. A little bit of an ice shelf. Well, it proved to be mostly unlivable. In fact, the average constant wind speed that year was 50 miles an hour. Think about that. 50 mile an hour winds with Douglas recording regular winds higher than 200 miles per hour. Can you imagine that? 200 miles per hour. And with those blizzard conditions happening daily on possibly the windiest place on the planet, it took 10 months for them to build out their camp and put together plans not to live on this ice shelf called Commonwealth Bay, but their whole reason for being there was to venture boldly into the Antarctica, something that no one had ever done. They, they brought a plane with them because they thought we're going to fly in and fly back out, and why wouldn't we do that? But once they got off the ship, the plane was a bust because it had been a little bit damaged on the journey over, and because of the temperature, it wasn't really able to fly for too long, something to do with the amount of oxygen and the temperature. They used some sleighs on, on the tires to try to make it usable as a tractor, but the engine quickly broke down. It, it only worked for a few minutes at a time. And they used the metal eventually just to kind of toughen up their living quarters to make it so that the wind wasn't constantly coming through the wooden planks of their homes. But... By December uh, of 1912, despite all the impossible odds, Douglas and his two-man team and several dozen dogs were 35 days already into their expedition. Now, what was interesting about Douglas Mawson was previously, explorers, adventurers as they called themselves, would let the scientists and scouts go ahead of everybody else. And once they had safely navigated a particular path forward, they would scamper along behind safely. But Douglas Mawson was a little bit different. He was actually pretty excited about this whole process, and he often would stay at the, at the front of the pack with his dogs and team directly, not idling 30 or 35 people behind in the, in the troop of explorers. So they're 35 days in. They're 300 miles into their exploration. It's now December 14th, 1912. They'd crossed two glaciers, hundreds of deadly crevices. By the way, a crevice is, is a deep hole in the ice. It's covered by a, a thin powdering of ice. And if you're not careful, you plunge all the way through. That was a Saturday morning, December 14th was, and Xavier Mertz was, was, was guiding a sled dog ahead of Mawson. He raised his pole in the air and he said, you know, be careful, there's a deadly crevice here. And so he did what he had done the entire 300 miles this far and carefully navigated his way diagonally, not straight on, diagonally across the thin ice, and Mawson did the same. Continuing on, Mawson heard the whimper of a dog behind him. So did Xavier Mertz because he turned around and it, as he turned around, it was a look on his face that shook 
Douglas Mawson to his core. There was a gaping hole in the snow bridge, which showed a crevice more than 150 feet deep behind them, where a husky lay exposed on a little ice shelf with a broken back. There was no other sign of their companion or his sled. He was gone, just gone, along with their best dogs, their tent, and nearly their entire food supply for the expedition. You know, gone. Well, they, they couldn't wait around or bemoan the fact that their their close friend was gone. They had to continue on. They only had a limited amount of food and supplies. And so they improvised a tent and they used some runners from the sled to, to make a little something that they could crawl into at night. And then they realized they needed to race back home. They had limited food and now limited time. And for the first few days, they made excellent time. Going, going, going. But it wasn't long until their dogs gave out. And when the Huskies could no longer pull the sled, Mertz and Mawson carried them to their makeshift camp and then shot them and ate them for the meat. Throwing the rest of the scraps to the other dogs that were still alive. It wasn't long before a single dog was left alive to pull the sled. They actually called her name Ginger. Called her Ginger. So the two men hitched themselves to the harness and pulled alongside her. But they could only make it a few miles before they all collapsed, exhausted by snowdrifts that were four feet tall in places. It wasn't just the dogs that were dying. Mertz, because of the low quality of food he was eating and the high fat from the dogs' livers, he was losing weight rapidly. His fingers were horrifically frostbitten, and he was too weak to move. But Doug was... He was determined that he was not going to let his friend die, and he convinced him to ride in the sled while he pulled it a few miles each day. Day after day, Mawson pulled the sled as Mert's condition steadily deteriorated into a slow and painful death. After burying his friend, it was inevitable. Mawson mustered the last of his courage, determined to make it back to the base. Most of his food was gone, and his body was just in a pitiful, pitiful state. According to the journals and diary that he kept, he had open sores on his lips, nose, and his private parts. Hair was falling out of his head in large clumps. The minerals and vitamins and depletion of his body was rejecting everything. The skin on his legs was peeling off in large strips. The soles on his feet had completely detached from the skin and sinew that would normally hold them onto the rest of his foot. And it was just flapping, the sole of his foot just flapping. Using some tape from his pack, he describes reattaching the dead soles to his feet and putting on six pairs of wool socks. He also noted that even through his boots, with every step, blood and puss oozed from the bottom of his frozen feet. He was still 80 miles from camp and growing weaker, weaker by the day. And now it's January of 1913, just weeks after his team and his best friend were gone. And it's in this moment that he falls through the ice and finds himself 14 feet down. 
unable to swing his feet to push himself up, not sure how long the sled was going to hold him above, dangling by a rope holding only around his waist. He reached for the first knot in the rope and desperately pulled himself up. Then he reached for the next knot and pulled himself up. And then the next, inch by inch, he pulled himself up the harness rope, praying that the ice would hold. Reaching the top of the crevice, he rolled his body onto the snow-covered lip of the crevice. But his weight caused part of the ice to crack off, plunging him back down into the icy crevice. His raw hands were slippery with blood. His fingers frozen and numb. Utter despair washed over him completely. As he swung there for a few minutes, frozen, his body weak, he just wanted to die. It was too much for him to bear. Yet he shares this interesting tidbit in his journals. He says that as he swung in the tangles of the harness rope, a verse from one of his favorite poets, Robert Service, flashed through his mind. Just have one more try. It's dead easy to die. It's the keeping on living that's hard. Inch by inch, minute by minute, knot by knot, Mawson made his way back up the rope. When he reached the top of the crevice, he pushed his feet out first and then pulled his weakened frame free of the edge, rolled over, and passed out. A few hours later, he would wake up covered in snow. He got to his feet and started walking. Days later, he would find a chest of supplies left by a rescue party of his fellow explorers out looking for him. Food, supplies, and a map showing him the final 28 miles back to his base. Believe it or not, it would take him the next 10 days to make it back to the base. He would average less than three miles per day. When he arrived back at the base, there was a rescue ship sent to save him, except it wasn't at the Commonwealth Bay, it was on the horizon. It just had left five hours earlier. It would be ten more months before that same ship would come back from Mawson and the six men who stayed behind to find him. He had survived against all odds, that, that much is clear. He had achieved something that seems impossible. Hearing the story many years later, more than a hundred years later, it's shocking. It's shocking in its barbarity. It's shocking in the price that he had to pay. When he returned to Australia in February a year later, he was welcomed as a national hero. He was knighted by King George V. In fact, it is Douglas Mawson's face you'll see on the Australian $100 banknote. His life and this story was an improbable story of courage and triumph made possible by simply trying. From the gusty winds to lost brothers to lack of food 
and resorting to eating dogs, to carrying your best friend in a sled so he doesn't die today, to escaping an icy tomb 14 feet down when you're already hypothermic, dehydrated, and dying of starvation twice. If you find yourself hanging by a thread with fingers raw and bloody from past tries, think of Mawson and keep moving towards where you want to be. You might have lost skin off your fingers and might find yourself taping your feet back together. Friends may die. Ideas fail. You can give up and die or you can try and live and be the hero of your life from this day forward. So if it's not too much, let me go back to that verse that Douglas Mawson remembered as he, as he hung in the tangles of that harness rope 14 feet down in the middle of an icy crevice. Robert Service's poem, it flashed through his mind. Just have one more try. It's dead easy to die. It's the keeping on living that's hard. So my word of encouragement to you as you start this year, you might be banged up from last year. You might be already banged up from this year. I don't know. You've already had a few days, so anything is possible. Here's the truth. You've got it. You've got this, baby. You've got this. Anybody can give up. Do you know that the average salesperson quits 11 months before they actually leave the company they're working for? They give up 11 months before they quit the company. They quit inside their head before they quit their job. You might have already quit on yourself. You might have already quit on your marriage, on your boss, on your weight loss plan, on your wealth creation plan. You might have quit on everything, 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 everything. You might have quit on everything. But today, you can be like Douglas Mawson. Just have one more try. It's dead easy to die. It's the keeping on living that's hard.